0: I'm just doing a little mini-series at the moment on what it means to be Spirit-filled. Uh, last time we were looking at um, what it means for us as individuals, as individual Christians to be Spirit-filled, to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, we, if you remember, if you were here, we had a, a wonderful time of just responding to God together, many of us just coming forward with a real sense of hunger for more of, of the Spirit. We were looking at what the Bible says about who the Spirit is and and what his role is in our lives. And and together we were responding. There was a sense, a general sense of hunger for more of his Spirit, which I was greatly encouraged by, which is a really good thing. The Spirit of God is the one who fills us as Christians. He is the one who lives within us and he enables us to live the life um, that God would have us live. Uh, That's an overall statement about the role of the Spirit in our lives. Today then what we're going to be doing is look, looking at and considering for us as individual Christians who are, have received the Spirit and are filled with the Spirit, what does it look like when we come together as a body, as a community to worship? And what does a Spirit-filled community look like? That's going to be our question um, for today. That's what we're going to be considering. What does a Spirit-filled community look like? And particularly for us as Church Central Westside, what does that look like for us? How do we work that question out? Quick recommendation um, for a book. If you haven't read this book, um, I really recommend it. It's called The Spirit-Filled Church, uh, which is exactly (laughs) the title of what we're looking at today, really. It's by Terry Virgo, who is the founder of the New Frontiers family of churches. And um, many people say, Terry's written a lot of books, but many people say this is kind of like the distilled wisdom. This is kind of like the book that he was most likely to be remembered by Because it just is brilliant on this subject of what does it mean to be a spirit-filled church, and I'd thoroughly recommend it. I mean, some of the things that we're going to cover today, he touches on, but this is so this is a very broad and far-reaching book in terms of uh, what that means. But what we're going to be looking at today is we're going to be looking at a passage in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to uh, look up Ephesians chapter 5. The book of Ephesians is one of the um, books in the Bible, 66 books in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. In the New Testament, Ephesians is one of those books, kind of slightly towards the end if you're opening your Bible, or you can always look it up, obviously. Um, in the uh, contents, if you 're not sure where it is, but the the book of Ephesians we call it a book, but it 's actually a letter. It was written by the Apostle Paul, one of the founders of the early church, okay, so the Apostle Paul was writing to this church in Ephesus, which is uh, a, a place in Turkey, uh, modern day Turkey, but at the time it was a bustling city in the Roman Empire okay it's not too dissimilar to Birmingham today as a, as a big bustling multicultural city. And um, Ephesus would have been similar to that as well. And if you know the book of Ephesians, uh, you'll know that throughout the earlier chapters, sort of the first three chapters of the book, Paul is writing to the church and he is laying out the essential uh, foundational message of the gospel. He's, he's saying to them, he's explaining to them, this is what it's all about. This is what Jesus came for. This is who you are now in the light of what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection. talks about how we as as believers in Jesus receive countless spiritual blessings, how we're made alive in him, how we're saved by his grace, and then how we're united as a body in the church. All of these things are kind of where Paul's been going through the earlier chapters of Ephesians. And then in chapter 4, he talks about specifically how the body of people who believe these truths, how the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And how we have a unity in the faith. So everything that precedes the chapter we're looking at today in Ephesians five is it, this is what this is what's gone before. Okay, he's been building up towards this. So he's speaking these words to this body of believers who, who have now have this understanding of being uh, united, being um, united in Christ, being made alive in Him, being saved by His grace. And what happens towards the end of Ephesians? There's all this rich kind of theology stuff and then towards the end he turns more towards application and it's more kind of this is how you should live. And so this chapter, chapter 5, falls into that part. So there's quite a lot of application in it. So let's read Ephesians 5 starting in verse 15 and we're going to read through to verse 21. The words are on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. So Paul writes this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in the, to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What happens then after this passage is that Paul then um, goes on to apply this to a number of human relationships. He applies it to wives and husbands. He applies it to uh, children and parents. He applies it to employees and managers so he's saying, be filled with the Spirit, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and this is how this is how it works in all these different human contexts and human relationships. So what we're going to do, though, is focus in today on how these verses speak to our life together as a worshipping community. Okay, we're not exclusively talking about Sunday mornings, but that is quite a big part of it. Um, but life groups as well, any time that we gather together, as uh, spirit-filled Christians, uh, what does that look like for us? What does it mean for us? How do we live out being spirit-filled together? And the thing about the Holy Spirit is that he creates a different culture. When lots of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit come together, it's a different sort of culture. When lots of people who are drunk on wine come together or alcohol of any sort, there's a particular culture, you might say, isn't there? You might like if you go to a to a pub around closing time, or if you go to a club, or somewhere where lots of people are drinking. Um, that creates a particular culture, which Paul addresses. Um, but the Holy Spirit creates a different kind of culture. Now, there's lots we could say about this, but I'm just going to focus on two things. Two things that I just feel God would just apply to us today. And uh, one is that um, if we ask the question, "What does a spirit-filled community look like?" One is that we are a singing community, and one is that we are a submitting community. Okay, so that's where we're going. Those are the two main points we're gonna be looking at. So first of all, a singing community. I Think we've got a picture? Somewhere? Never mind. There should be a nice picture of a gospel choir, which, you know, looks really great. They're singing nicely, you know, look, look, looking like um, very joyful uh, people filled with the Spirit. Never mind. That We could just take a picture of us later on when we're worshipping. That's fine. <laughs> but Paul, what he does is he, he contrasts the, the foolishness in the world with the godly life of his people. He contrasts what it means to be drunk uh, with what it means to be filled with the Spirit. So, and there's this thing about about foolishness and wisdom. He says, "Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise." And the thing about alcohol. Uh, now, I, j- just to, just to be clear, uh, and talk in my approach to all this, I, I'm, not, I'm not teetotal myself, and um, we're not necessarily kind of this isn't a temperance sermon. Okay, this isn't about um, abstaining from alcohol entirely, because the Bible says that God's given us everything uh, good for our enjoyment. Um, so. There's nothing wrong with alcohol in, its sense, in, in itself. That would be my position. But Paul is talking here about being drunk on wine, and it's very clear. He says it will ruin your life if you if you go to excess on this, uh, or in another um, translation, it says it leads to debauchery. It leads to kind of all kinds of crazy, out of control behaviour. And what he's saying here isn't is that you know if you look at what happens when you get drunk on wine, when you consistently uh, rely on that as a stimulant then it leads to foolishness. It leads to thoughtlessness. It leads to selfishness. It leads to a ruining of your life. It's a false uh, stimulant, really, particularly when you consider that we have the Holy Spirit, that we, as an alternative to being drunk on alcohol, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be filled with the Spirit. But as we said, you know being drunk can produce a singing of sort it can produce uh some sort of singing possibly not um not the best maybe you know whether it's loud football chants bad karaoke whatever it might be um it can produce uh, uh um well they talk about dutch courage don't they you know lots of people who would not normally sing when they've had a few jars in them might might actually you know suddenly become pavarotti you know you just you just never know but it's a, it's, it's, it's a false thing, it's a, it's, it's a stimulant, it's a, it's a counterfeit um, courage, if you like, Dutch courage, um, that, that, that's, that's what it's about. So where there's alcohol, there can be a singing of sort, where there's the Holy Spirit, there is very much singing, but it's singing that is a particular type of singing, it's singing that is praise and thanksgiving, it's singing that is joyful, just like that song, where hear the joyful sound of our offering as your people sing, because... The Spirit is here because we have a song to sing. We have something that God has given us to sing about. Jesus, as we were saying last time, he said that if you believe in me, streams of living water will well up within you. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like streams of living water within us. When we receive him, when he comes into our life, there is a life that comes out from within us. There's, there's a vivacity, there's a color and a movement to our theology that means that it's not something dry, it's not just a dry set of beliefs and propositions. Through the Spirit, we're made alive. We have a life in us now. We have something new. Maybe in the past, we saw things like in, in 2D, like in a gray scale, but the Holy Spirit brings things to life. It's like we're seeing life um, on an IMAX, high-definition 3D screen. That's why half of our meeting, at least, is devoted to singing, <laughs> because of what it says in this passage. Uh, and in fact, if you go to any church service in the world, it's very likely that there will be an enormous amount of singing involved. Uh, whether it's a grand cathedral, which might have up to 80% of the service devoted to to music and song, or whether it's um, somewhere, kind of some rural setting, somewhere um, it, out in the in, in 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 the third world or wherever you choose choose a context, okay, the gospel. When people get hold of this message of Jesus, it can't fail to result in song, particularly when there's an infilling with the Holy Spirit. Alcohol produces fake character and negative consequences. Being filled with the Spirit produces joyful song. And one of the things we we need to remember when we think about this passage in, in Ephesians is that Paul is writing to a church, okay? He's not writing to individual Christians. This passage is meant to be interpreted and worked out in the context of a community together. So we need to hear this and receive this as a community, not just as individuals. So there's this bit where it talks about speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we seek to make room for this in the way we structure our meetings. We give time to singing the, leaders will, the worship leaders will choose m- most of the songs we will sing, but also we give time to people in the congregation to be able to bring their own contributions, which might include a psalm, uh, a spontaneous song, a spiritual song, um, uh, or a hymn, or, or, or another prayer of praise, or a reading from the Bible, or um, a tongue and interpretation, which is another gift of the Spirit that's talked about elsewhere in the New Testament where the Spirit gives um, um, a gift of languages, a different sort of language, a heavenly language that we haven't learned that, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to bring out. And it says that people can speak that out as an expression of praise. And where that comes, we wait for an interpretation in English so that we can all in, be encouraged and built up by that expression of praise. And this is all stuff that the Spirit brings among us as we, as we worship. We worship together in the, in the Spirit. The anointing of the Spirit is on us. As we worship, it's one of those. The anointing is one of those. It's one of those kind of Christian words that's used a lot in different contexts. But it just means empowerment. The Spirit empowers our worship. We're not just coming in our own sort of strength. Um, We're not just coming with our own ideas. There's something. There's another one present among us as we're worshiping, and He empowers our worship. And you know what? I mean, this is, this is how we worship, and it's great, and I love it. And I, just as an encouragement, I love being a part of this church where we worship like this, and I love and appreciate the fact that we, um, we have different contributions uh, that come from diff- various people in, around the congregation. It's great. And this is a high value for us, and it, it's, it's a real encouragement. And um, I just, just want to encourage you to keep going when it comes to contributions to keep bringing your contribution when you come to church think well what can I bring some of some of you know that there's a there's a, there's a God's given you a confidence and a uh, an ability to pray out in worship and that's great I want to encourage you keep doing that for some of you you maybe feel that's not for me that's something that other people do I just want to gently challenge that because it doesn't have to be the case. Okay, we can all bring something. We all have something to bring, and it might just be that your contribution is just the thing that the church needs to hear. Okay, and that's not a pressure on anyone at all. But I just want to encourage and completely give room that um, that we all have something to bring, and it might be that you have something to bring that we need to hear. You know, no one, no one, no one who brings a great contribution in worship does it overnight. They start by by stepping out, they start by overcoming those barriers of fear, maybe in a life group context, and you grow up um, uh, into being more confident in stepping out. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says also about the spirit, God gave us the spirit who does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. What's timidity? It's basically like a lack of courage or, or, or a lack of confidence and that's fine sometimes we do lack courage sometimes we do lack confidence in different situations in life and the answer when we're talking about contributions in worship is not that we have to try and muster courage ourselves it's the spirit we rely on the spirit it's the spirit's power that we can trust in so there's just an encouragement that um, to keep bringing your contributions and there's there's new songs I think there's new there's new voices that we need to hear uh, and there's new new songs and new expressions of praise that we want to hear because God is so worthy of praise i mean you know i'm going to say don't get me started sorry it's too late <laughs> but as as a worship leader particularly i just my heart is to see god glorified um as we worship together and he's glorified through many many different ways and different people different voices the more people pray out the more uh, the more diversity there is in our worship in my mind the better because the more glory that goes to God as a result but you know what songs and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are really great and that and it's part of what Paul says is, is to be worked out here as a worshiping community but the thing that I would really love us to be hallmarked by is more of the character side of what Paul talks about here. And really, I want to spend the rest of the time meditating together on verse 21 and what it means to be a submitting community. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Such a profound uh, command and exhortation. And we're going to just consider a little bit of what that looks like and how that applies to our worship. You haven't got to go far... Out the doors of this building to observe that human beings don't find it that easy to get on with each other. I think that's a fair a fair way to put things if you look at the world you look at any sort of any news article generally speaking is one of the main problems we have as a as a race of people. Um, we, there are clashes there are divisions there's conflict there's everyone wanting to be first and to get their way I mean, we live in a city where we need posters to remind us to smile at people because, you know, we're not very good at that. Oh, we find that difficult. Okay, there there's can be an atmosphere of suspicion and, and, and negativity towards other people rather than positivity. And there's only one solution to this problem, and that is that men and women be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It really is. That is the best, the deepest. The most profound, the most effective solution to that problem, is that men and women, believe in the Lord Jesus, have their sins forgiven, have their eternal uh, future changed, and then are changed from within by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because only in the church can can we really submit to each other from the heart with a real heart motive. Okay, we're going to come on to talk a bit about motive in a minute, but. First of all, let's consider what does it mean for us to submit to one another? And uh, mutual submission is actually, if you look elsewhere in the Bible as well, particularly in the New Testament in teaching about worship, mutual submission is a real hallmark of what the worshipping New Testament community should look like. Okay, another passage that uh, addresses collective worship together is in 1 Corinthians. Um, chapters 12 to 14 of 1 Corinthians, a really great and very practical passages that talk about how we worship together as a community. And one of the most famous passages in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, is sandwiched between two other passages that talk about how we worship together as a community. And 1 Corinthians 13, if you don't know it, let me read it to you. And you may recognize it from weddings, funerals, that kind of thing. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 Love is patient, love is kind. A beautiful passage about love but the context of it is is about when we come together as the body to worship because as human beings we can find it difficult and when we come together like molecules we rub together and sometimes there can be reactions and and that's that can be the same even when we filled with the spirit but this is the disposition that we're to have and this is what the spirit can help us to do to love one another to submit to one another what might submission look like or or what what might lack of submission, or what's the opposite of submission? I guess you could say it's it's to be selfish, it's to be self-asserting, it's to say it's about me, it's about what I want, it doesn't matter what other people want, it's about what I, what I want, I guess that's the opposite of submission, and I guess when you put it that plainly, you can sort of think, well yeah, but that's obviously, that's none of us, I mean we're all lovely, lovely Christian people, aren't we? But... Proverbs reminds us, doesn't it, that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so it also says we need to guard our heart because it's the wellspring of life. And it can be possible, this, w- this little section is just to warn you, as, in case you're not already aware, a little bit challenging, okay, so I hope that's okay. We're going for the heart here, all right? Pr- um, it can be possible to move into a mindset where we're just, bef- before we know it, we're actually filtering everything through the prism of the self okay where we're actually thinking about church and worship and everything to do with, with with what you want with with what what your desires are here's a little test um to see kind of where you are with that when you when you get out of your car and you you or you, you walk from the bus stop or wherever it is and you're walking towards the Lords of girls school on a sunday morning Um, With your umbrella up, if it's this morning. Um, Other times it's nicer. But as you cross the threshold, um, what's 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 on your mind? What are you thinking about? What 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 in your deepest heart heart of hearts, what is it you're thinking? Are you thinking, what can I bring today? What 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 am I going to bring? How am I going to serve the body of Christ today? Or are you thinking, what am I going to get out of this today? what am I going to get out of worship? Is anyone going to talk to me today? Am I going to have a good time? Am I going to meet with God? Am I going to get a good feeling out of today? Now look, we all come from different places. Sometimes we come carrying burdens. Sometimes we come to church, you know, in a really, it's difficult. We have had a difficult time. And sometimes we do come to church thinking, "I, I I need to meet with God. I need to be encouraged. That's okay but we've just got to watch that selfishness. Do you see the distinction? And maybe wider when we think about church, if you're thinking, well, what's here for me? What are my ministry opportunities going to be here? How are my dreams going to be fulfilled here? Um, those kind of things. You know, in, in a sense, those questions aren't wrong in themselves, but you've just got to watch the motive of where that comes from. If it's selfishness, it is at its heart individualistic. It's not collective, it's not communal, it's not thinking about the whole. In fact, you can't think about the whole if you're consumed with just one, you. You can't do it. So we've got to watch selfishness. And the great thing is the encouragement here, the antidote to it, is to submit, to yield. Lay down all those racing thoughts about me. Lay them down, lay them down. Humble yourselves. So the great thing about the gospel is that it just is a leveler. It's a wonderful leveler. We're all in the same boat. All of us are here because of the grace of God, regardless of our experience, regardless of our gifting, regardless of our potential, regardless of our demography. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. That's what it says in Romans, isn't it? And so we can say like Paul later on in Galatians 6, may I never boast except in the cross the cross is the thing that is our boast because it's the cross that reminds us that we were sinners and that we've been saved by grace. And so actually that can turn the, the attitude round. It can turn it that when we cross the threshold of church, actually we can think, well, hallelujah, this is a privilege. I get to come and worship with a community of people who have been saved with the same blood of the same saviour that I have. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a wonderful different our attitude we can have when we come to church. And individualism and selfishness is so endemic in the society around us and we've got to weed it out of our hearts. The Holy Spirit can help us to do that. And the great thing is once you've submitted and laid down selfishness, you're in a better place to embrace a more collective mentality towards church. You're, you're in a better place to consider the good of the whole rather than your own particular personal good okay let's just quickly think about motivation okay i know it's a challenging one today please stay with me we will will pray at the end and uh and we will worship and we will invite the joy of the lord and it will be great but i just felt this is this is important for us to uh to go here to go for the heart everyone okay Thank you. Thanks for staying with me. Um, Motivation is important. If you think about it, there's a, there's a lot of possible motives we could have when we come together and submit. You, know, we, you can submit to one another out of a number of ways. Um, in your workplace, you submit because you have to and because you're paid to. <laughs> or maybe in school, um, you submit because you know, there's teachers and there's, there's boundaries and there's rules and that kind of thing. Um, maybe it's possible to just, we can think, well, we need to submit to each other because then it will be Nice. Then we'll have a nice harmonious environment and things will, 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 keep, will keep pleasant. You know, We'll be friends and we'll get on, and that's nice. That's great, but it's too superficial a motive for this. Maybe you can think, well, we need to submit to each other out of politeness, out of just, you know, we're British, so we're polite, so we, we, that's what we do. We submit to each other. Or maybe you're from a, a family culture or from a national background where the, you have a culture of deference. You're used to deferring to others. Well, social conventions like those are too superficial to base it on. There's a much greater motivation, a much deeper motive that Paul says here, and it's submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence for Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, A person filled with the Spirit is a person who always is remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. Such a person will ever be looking at Jesus. Jesus is our motive for this stuff. Jesus is the one we come to worship. Jesus is the one that we want to glorify. And so we submit because we want to honor him. We submit as our our act of our worship for him. And Jesus, of course, modeled and taught submission perfectly. He's an amazing example of submission, an incredible example of submission. What an example we have. Just look at this from 1 Peter 2, 21 to 24. It says, you were called to this because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus did not retaliate. Jesus did not make threats. Jesus did not stand up for his own rights. Jesus did not assert himself. He submitted. He laid it down. What an example. What an example we have. Jesus submitted. So we can submit as an act of worship to him. We do it to honor him and his name. We're his people, we're his, we're his possession. You know, we're the people that bear his name. In a sense, his reputation is in our hands. So we, we want to submit to one another. So just to land this, and we're going to finish um, after this this little bit, we're just going to apply it. Well, Okay, this is all great, but how do we apply this? When we come to worship, what does it mean to do this stuff? What does it actually mean in practice? How do we submit to one another? How, how do we consider the good of the whole when we come to worship together? Well, we've already talked about contributions and, and, and being bold and listening to each other's contributions. Um, but there's a couple of other things as well. And um, I'll, one thing I'd, I'd say is I think um, courage to relate to people who are different from you to build bridges and to cross boundaries. I think that is actually a way we can submit to each other. We can submit to each other's preferences. Okay? Um, we are a congregation that's quite diverse in terms of uh, demographic group. If you think about the demographic group that you are in, there probably aren't many others in your group. So if you're a teenage girl, there aren't many other people in your group. If you're um, a, someone in their 20s, maybe a young married couple in your 20s without children, there's not many people in your demographic group. Uh, if you are you know, older, um, retired, perhaps there's not many people in your group. If you think about you know, wh- wh- whoever you are in this, in, as part of our church, um, then there aren't many others like you. And that, this is one of the challenges that I believe we face as a site as we look to build community, we've all got to be prepared to reach out and cross cross boundaries and, and build bridges because we're not going to be all chums hanging out with people who are like us because we're all different. Okay, so that's one way we can submit to one another. One way is to, to, to the Holy Spirit can help us to, to have the courage to relate to people who are different from us, to cross those boundaries and to build those bridges. Yeah, that's one. Um, another thing is, is, is perhaps... A willingness to listen to the contribution of others when we worship. Um, uh, because I've learned over the years that, that, that actually when, I, when people bring contributions, I'm really listening. And I'm, 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 my, my heart is wanting to be fed by what people bring. Um, and that's a good, good thing to have, a, a worshipful heart that wants to, wants to be fed by others. Um, not, not judging others, not, 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 not kind of overly assessing others and thinking like wh- where are they coming from, but, but wanting to listen and wanting to uh, be encouraged. And now, there's just a couple of people I want to I honour in this as well. Um, and One is, is parents. Okay? As we come together and worship, I want to honour parents who work really hard to help their children uh, to engage in worship. As a, as a church, we have a high value of having our kids in the worship. At the moment, the children are out with, uh, in the preach. Uh, But in a minute, they'll come back in and we'll worship together as a family. And over all the years of this church, that is how we've done it. We've never had the kids out for the whole meeting, which some churches would, would, would do. And there's a value in that. It's because we believe in worshiping together as a family and as a body and all being together in. We don't want the kids to just be kind of you know, second-class citizens that are sort of out there and, and just kind of tucked away for the whole time. We want them to be a part of it. We want them to be in an atmosphere where they can encounter God and where they can sense the spirit and where they can contribute as well um, because we believe that they have a co- an important contribution to bring as well. But that obviously creates challenges. Uh, you know, children aren't always the quietest beings, are they? Um, or they, or they, 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 they don't necessarily find it easy to engage uh, in, in worship in the same way. And I just want to honor and and encourage parents who week in week out you submit to your own preferences in order to help your kids engage in worship okay this because that is for you that is your act of worship when our children were smaller um, when they were when they were sort of toddlers um, and obviously I, I I'm leading so i'm I'm either leading worship or I'm up the front a lot and Anna went through a really difficult time. My wife, Anna, she, she, if you know her, she's a real worshiper. She loves to worship Jesus. She loves to sing. She loves to enjoy worship. And uh, she wasn't able to do that because she, was, she had her hands full <laughs> with the kids. And uh, there were times where this was really difficult. I remember one famous time where we got in the car after church at the end of a, a long kind of uh, morning of church. And we got in the car and I very sensitively said, wow, that was an amazing time of worship today. And, and she just screamed. She She screamed. She doesn't mind me to, I've checked, she's okay for me to share this. And uh, and it was just so hard for her. And and, and we had to kind of talk, oh, wow, work, work that through. Like what, you know, how are we going to sort of work this? And I think what we, what we came to <laughs> was really that for her, that period was a time where she wasn't able to engage in worship in the way that she had always done and, and knew and kind of appreciated. But her engagement in worship was actually on the floor with the kids, helping them engage and investing in them, investing in them, investing in them. And, and of course, worship is sacrifice, isn't it? Worship isn't, isn't receiving and, and, and consuming, it's sacrifice. And so for her, that was her act of worship. And it was really hard, it was difficult, it was a cost personally. But we try, I try to encourage her in terms of, look, this is what you're doing right now, this is a sacrifice and it's, it's good and it's worth it. And actually, it's 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 reaped a harvest because our children now that they're older, they, they enjoy worship. They like to um, to be in church. They enjoy church, and that's because of that investment um, that 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 was made earlier. So I just want to honour and encourage. And I know I see it week in week out. So, you know, many of you parents, this is what you're doing. You're 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 just there investing in your in your kids, and just to encourage you, God sees that and accepts that as worship. And the Holy Spirit can help you and empower you in that. Also, just want to honour and encourage non-parents who also sometimes submit to their own preferences in order to help other people's kids engage in worship too, which is in some ways is even more impressive. They're not even your kids, and you're submitting to your own preferences in order to do that. Um, just beautiful. When, we, when, when that happens, it's just great. And I know that, um, I know, you know, I, I, I think, I, I sense, I, I hear from people that, um often that's what people see when they come into our church they see a community worshiping together with people helping each other out and that is how we should be we should help one another um so just to encourage you to to go again and particularly maybe 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 for some um you just need courage and faith from god to go again in this whole area of helping your children engage in worship maybe you need to ask for help if you're struggling Uh, and that's that's fine we can we can do that we want to worship together as a community and help one another let's pray as we finish